You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to the 602 Club Trek FM's local watering hole. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me back as she is almost every single week, the fantastic and brilliant Christy Morris. That's Unikitty to you, President Business. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did I did not know that Unikitty was played by Allison Brie. Yes. Until I was like, I had no idea. But that's fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. she's so good. Yeah, I love her on Glow. Um, and I'm excited to be back to talk about this movie. I remember seeing it when it first came out. And... Uh, it is a lot to take in and a lot to talk about, so I look forward yeah. to getting into it. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here, too, uh, as we're going to be talking about the Lego movie um, as we build our way towards the Lego movie 2, the second <laughs> part. Uh, so we'll be excited to be talking about those. But before we do that, you know, uh, we wanted to say a quick thank you. We actually... Chris, you don't know if you know this, but we did get a couple of new reviews there in the 602 Club oh. uh, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, which super exciting. Um, and so we just wanted to read those out and thank those people for reviewing us. So uh, thank you for spending your time. Uh, we got Shaz Biz, great podcast, five stars. This is one of my favorite podcasts. The cast gives detailed reviews on various movie franchises. I look forward to hearing this show every week. And I'm sure that that has only gotten more so with Christy Morris joining us. So thank you, Shaz Biz. That means a lot. That's nice. The next review is from, uh, it says Greg, five stars. Um, I think that it's supposed to say great is my guess. But Hobbs1 said, absolutely love your in-depth discussions. I can't get enough. Recently branched out to the other Trek FM podcast. Great stuff. Thank you and keep up the great work. And we will do that, Hobbs1. So we appreciate you going over there to Apple Podcasts and iTunes, giving us a five-star review it does help people find the show. And uh, when you give us a review and a star rating, you get your review read out on the show. So spend a couple minutes, do that for us, help people find the show. I, and again, say that, but it's so true. You know, with the plethora of podcasts that are out there, if you want people to find the podcast that you love, the best thing to do is to give them a review and a star rating on iTunes because that is still where most people get their podcasts. But fear not, dear listener, if you don't have an Apple device, you don't have to worry because you can get your 602 Club fix on any platform pretty much. Any podcatcher, you can find the 602 Club. So make sure you search and subscribe because that way you'll get the episode as soon as we drop it. You can find us on Twitter, TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. Of course, there's also a listeners-only discussion group that you can talk to other listeners from around the world of Trek FM 
on the Babel Conference. Type Babel into the search field on Facebook because that's where the Babel Conference is. Or if you go to the website at trek.fm, click discussion on any of the menu bars there you'll see, uh, and that'll also bring you over there. And then last but not least, Christy and I would love to get an email from you. So go to trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and then we'll get that email and we'll be able to talk to you that way. Well, everybody already knows we're talking about the Lego movie, but I kind of wanted to know about you and your building history if you were a Lego fan growing up as a kid. Yes, actually, uh, my dad got me into it pretty young, and I remember, um, I can't remember what my first set was, but I remember back when I first started playing with Lego products, they were much more basic. You know, there was no such thing as the slim Lego or um, all of the different shapes of things that you can get now or even colors. It felt like it was, you know, the basic Lego block and that they came in like red, yellow and blue. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm like, you kids don't know the struggle. <laughs> no, no, they don't. I mean, you know, I was playing with Legos because I'm older um, for very, I've been playing with them for a very, very long time. And, you know, back then you're absolutely right. You know, Lego was v- quite basic. There was not a lot to it. And, um, you know, back then they had like the city Legos, you had space Legos, you had castle Legos and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and then, of course, I remember the the days when they branched out into pirate Legos, which became my favorite. I loved the pirate ships and I loved the pirate sets. Like, and I, still to this day, I I still love Lego. Um, I have Lego sets still in my room. Every once in a while, I'll pull out my huge tub of Legos from when I was a kid. I have a massive, like, tub of Legos still. Oh, that's cool. And I'll still, you know, every once in a while, I'll build something just because I enjoy it. Like, I would sit in my room for legitimately hours upon hours and do nothing but build things. And Mm -hmm. so, now, question for you, were you a builder that used just the instructions or did you come up with your own creations? I was mostly an instruction follower. Um, and I think that's probably why I still would love to have my white whale Lego set, the Death Star 2. Mm, yeah. Because I love the process of getting from beginning to end, not mm-hmm. the end when it's all over and put together as much. So I, I, which one were you, though? Um, Honestly, both. So I loved building the sets that I would get. But then there was also, I mean, I really, one of my favorite things to do was to have a design in mind and then to take that design and make it. Um, You know, whether it was thinking of a castle that I wanted to make or, you know, uh, a bigger pirate ship that I wanted to make or, you know, just, I, I just loved sitting down and playing with, Legos and building Legos. And so I would, you know, I would have a mixture of both. And yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that probably I sat around doing the most, though, was coming up with an idea and then trying to create that idea that was in my head. And the most fun then was, and like you said, before the days of having all these specialty pieces, you know, 
you, you really had to think through a lot of things because you couldn't just throw a specialty piece in. You right. had to really think, okay, if I want to create this, how do I make this? Because it wasn't, it wasn't as easy then, which, you know, I sound like an old fogey, but it just wasn't. So, um, that's the thing I think I enjoyed the most was, was that. And so I wouldn't call myself a master builder or anything. I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm no Emmett. Um, I never came up with the double decker couch, but I really did enjoy sitting around all day and just figuring out, you know, exactly what it was that was in my mind and how I could, you know, create that in real life. That's cool. And it, it's funny since you, brought that up how you could you know create it in real life i realized what my first set was funny enough i don't you know if you remember all of the different kinds of like kids bath toys they made but there was actually like a lego house that stuck up against the wall of the bathtub (laughs) that's awesome and I was more of the kid of like using my imagination to build a story mm-hmm. around it rather than mm, yeah. configuring it into different stuff. Yeah. So as no, a little that's... kid, I remember playing with that at grandma's house. Yeah, that's super cool, though. I mean, you know, because there's there's there really is there's so much that you, that's the thing about Legos. There's so many different ways that you can play with it. And I think that's the thing that makes it so fun. So. When the movie was coming out then, was, was uh, I take it this was something you were super excited about. Yes, because I always wanted my Legos to actually talk. <laughs> That's, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Well, and I think, you know, the one other thing that made me kind of excited about this was the fact that, you know, they had done Lego specials, you know, with Star Wars specifically, and those worked really well. And so I just, it, it seemed like a great fit to take a Lego movie and to, you know, put it on screen. And I think the thing that I was really surprised with the way that they did the movie was just the animation style itself in that, you know, it was very popular when when I was younger. Um, and my uh, one of my best friends actually used to do this. He would take my Legos and he would create movies and he would do the stop motion uh, where cool. you would have a scene play out. In fact, uh, he had a scene play out with my pirate legos where he had this guy get rowed to an island and then left there um and get his head chopped off and then the (laughs) other guys rode back um and it was like you know and it was all stop motion so it was really really cool so fans have been doing that for a long time and i thought was really great is that they actually the animation in the movie really mimics that feel it Mm -hmm. feels like a stop motion movie which i thought was just one of the best things that they could do with this film. I think so too, because I think if it had been more along the lines of a, um, you know, 3D animation Pixar look to be more realistic and less like a Lego world where everything is more boxy. Um, that's kind of a, my loose description of the difference. I, I think that it wouldn't have felt like Lego. I think that you had to have the certain characteristics that make Lego what it is in order to make this a, a believable movie, especially for people that grew up playing with them. 
So I, I agree. I think that the animation was perfect. And I loved especially seeing how they would interact with the hands and feet the way that they are, you know, being very yeah. basic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. The thing that they don't do here is they don't take away the feeling that you're actually sitting there. You know, you're the one playing with all of these Lego characters, you know, mm-hmm. and so like when they're in the water, you know, and um, like the water's coming out, it looks like the little like one uh, dial that comes out as water, you know, just right. li- they're pieces of Lego instead of it making it, you know, just water as if it was, you know, actual water. This The, the, mm-hmm. the joy of seeing them utilize the Lego pieces that way, I think it was really smart. Um, and if I remember correctly, every single thing that they build is built with pieces of Lego that actually exist. So, you know, when they build the buildings and everything, they're made all with Legos that exist. They're not, there aren't pieces that don't exist. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. And probably harder to do animation wise than just you know doing it however they like Mm -hmm. so i'm glad they went that way well and like you said even just the way that the characters are they don't change their claw hands they even call them claw hands you know uh and those kind of things where you you are respecting the toy which is kind of strange (laughs) that when you think of that like you're respecting a toy Mm -hmm. but i think it you know it it would have taken away from the movie and it would have taken away from the experience of watching the movie, especially as so many people have played with Legos growing up, if they hadn't really respected the toy. Right. And I mean, especially shown with like the good cop, bad cop thing. It reminded yes. me of uh, <laughs> in um, Toy Story having Mr. Potato Head pull out his angry eyes. Yes. You have yes. to, like you're saying, like have the real experience of what the toy is like. I thought that was so funny having them rotate between good cop, bad cop. Well, and you know what's funny, too, is that there are uh, a couple of Lego characters that I have where they do have two different sides to their, like, you can turn their head around. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> there are different faces, uh, depending on, you know, what helmet or whatever you have on them and stuff. So, yeah, it, that is that was really smart, too. Um, you know, I think on top of all that, I think one of the, the smartest things that they did in this movie, though, was who they cast for the voices. Yes. And, I mean, the list of the cast is is really insane with the talent level. Um, but I think, you know, nobody better to cast than Chris Pratt as Emmett because he just does that kind of super average can't quite understand what everybody else is getting that he's not getting but it's but he doesn't know he's not getting kind of thing mm-hmm. i just nobody does that better than chris pratt <laughs> yeah i think especially when you're first seeing the movie and you don't know offhand who it is trying to guess at the voice even it still comes across very generic and in a good way of harder to guess who's voicing Emmett. And I think that's perfect. I think that's how it should be. And so then when you find out that it's Chris Pratt, you're going, oh, yeah, I guess I do recognize some things that he would say 
but it, it kind of reminds me, even though I'm not a huge Parks and Rec person, of how he plays that character. Um, you know, he's not as, um, I don't want to say not unique, but, you know, he's good at kind of making it more laid back and and he was really perfect for this role. I agree. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you calling out Parks and Rec is, is actually really smart. Uh, I just finished that entire show. Um, I have mm. to say it is maybe one of the best shows that I've ever seen. Uh, in fact, it, it's incredibly worth your while to watch it because it ends really well. Um, and it, which, you know, these days is, is hard to come by. I feel like in shows actually ending well, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I do feel like he kind of feels like the, his character, Andy, there, a little bit toned down. Like he's not quite as dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, here he's not playing dumb. He's really just playing as naive as possible. You know, like he right. just doesn't you know he just doesn't understand you know um until you know throughout the movie i I feel like he starts to understand a little bit more and so but yeah i think chris pratt he just brings that childlike nature that you need to the character and he makes him lovable without making him annoying or you get tired of the way that he is which is really important in a role like this Right, like you more feel bad for him at being so innocent and naive and that you feel like he's a good person, that character of Emmett, so you want people to like him. But it, I think that the emotional part for me was when they're having all of his coworkers describe him and saying, (laughs) yeah, he's just kind of bland. And then you feel like he's just so sad. No, I, I really agree with you because I, I think there's just something about the way that he plays the character that does make him somebody at the beginning of the movie who is kind of a very bland person who just kind of accepts everything for what it is, has never really thought to challenge um, you know anything about his life. And throughout the movie, the whole point is to get him to be somebody who begins to challenge the nature of his own existence in a lot of ways, you know, and, and to, to begin to think through the nature of his own existence and who he is and who he wants to be. So, you know, I think that's something that, um, I really enjoy about this movie. I think it's, it's, it's smart in the way, um, it plays things, you know, um, there's, there aren't always a lot of movies that, that do that but i a kids movie specifically you know um but i think he does a really good job uh and they do a really good job of creating a character who you want to see grow right and um that actually does grow throughout the movie which is a lot of fun so i also feel like the movie is a little all over the place sometimes Uh, i think that it it starts out with a strong idea of where you think the plot is going, but once it devolves into Wildstyle is taking Emmett on this ride and this journey, I feel like you get kind of lost as to what the goal is because you're going to the cowboy town and then you're going to the cloud of cuckoo land, whatever it was called. Um, you know, and then finally you end up with the ending 
and it seems like they should have teased it earlier on, even if it was going to be a big reveal, um, to keep me feeling like I was invested in what was going on. Hmm. So do you feel like it, it just it gets a little bit, it just goes a little bit too crazy? Yes. Hmm. Okay. I wasn't sure if you felt that way at any point. Um, well. hmm. I don't think, I mean, I don't think that I do. I think part of that is that, um, I think that this is, this really is the humor that, you know, Lord and Miller have, you know, where they just kind of go bonkers crazy mm-hmm. with things. And I guess I didn't ever really feel like it took away from anything. That, that's really interesting, though. I it, um, Did it end up, like, does it, it I, is it a thing where it kind of makes the movie just not as good then in the end for you? I think it, it makes me feel like it's a little more fluff than really emotional storytelling. But mm, okay. I did like the last few scenes of the movie more than the rest of the movie. Mm, Even though I okay. love the, the whole Lego story, um, you know, as far as seeing the Legos on screen as characters and everything, I think that the most emotional parts were those two scenes I mentioned. One where um, Emmett is being described by his co-workers, I think really hits you in the feels. And then him uh finn and his father yeah yeah i think no i can see that too yeah um you know i think i think that you're right in many ways the movie kind of uh it it alternates back and forth between you know crazy and and having some emotion there Mm -hmm. and uh i agree with you i do feel like that it's able to pull that off in the end but i could i i can see how you could get get a little bit lost um in the shuffle when things are you know for the middle of the movie you know that they do kind of go bonkers yeah i mean they really do just kind of go bonkers but i do have to remind myself that the movie wasn't made for me as a 31 year old woman you know it's a kid's movie (laughs) so for kids they love it right Right. No, I. that's a good, I mean, and it, that's a really good point is that we have to remind ourselves that, you know, this movie is made for kids and we have to be careful not to, um, to view it so seriously, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, whereas, and, and this is, I think, you know, something that is interesting is, is kind of talking about that is they, they find that seriousness in the end, which, you know, I don't know if I completely... I guess it's a good time to talk about it. Do you Did you expect it to kind of go into the real world and find it's a, a story beyond just the Lego world? No, I didn't expect it at all. It seemed very sudden, but in a, in a good way, I'm glad that they had that where the, you know, magic portal ended up. Because you do wonder every time that they tease that there's this, you know, oblivion that you could fall into out of President Business's building. Where would it go? Or would it just be to nowhere? And so it was interesting that that's how they brought it about. Um, But I I definitely didn't expect that they would do any live action in this movie. um, Or that they would go into the story about basically saying that collectors are too rigid and that Mm -hmm. we need to remember that these are still toys right 
So I, I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, that's a that is a very good point. Um, you know, I think I think that is something that um, we do forget. Um, As we see all the things behind me, if you could right now in my office space, there are a <laughs> lot of toys, most of them still in the box. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, it's it, you know, me too. I mean, I'm the same way. I've got you know lots of of collectibles behind me, and and you know, we I, I think many fans forget that you know I. Yeah, look, there's a whole market uh, out there for people who kind of, you know, have never grown up and don't want to grow up, right? Um, mm-hmm. But that all, all the stuff is, most of the stuff is based off of things that are made for kids, you know, and, you know, we have these things that surround us, right, because they give us some monochrome of happiness, you know, um, and that when we start to take our hobbies basically too seriously um, is usually when we start to ruin them for ourselves, you know? Right. Like there's got to be some joy left to it or else why do you have them? Yep. Yeah. No, 100%. 100% agree with you. Uh, and I think that's the thing that, you know, we kind of get uh, is we get to that that real part of the story. Um, and I think too, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the way that they do the story is that it is a, it's a, it's a story about fathers and sons, you know, and coming, them coming to kind of grips with, um, this, you know, like a dad who's taken things a little bit too seriously with his toys. Mm -hmm. And, um, but also, and and this is like, like uh, what's interesting about that is that the the movie kind of has that that whole aspect of of that that Cat Stevens song, you know, Cats in the Cradle, and, and that's kind of what's happening here is the dad is is not realizing that what his son really wants is this ability to connect with his dad, you know, right. like he, you know, and and by by saying that no, these toys are not meant for you to to play with um they're they're adult things you're taking away the opportunity to uh, connect with your child um and there's a real there's a little sadness in that um and i think that's the thing that i really liked was watching that play out in the end that the dad realizes that he's wrong Mm -hmm. you know like he's he's dead wrong about this um and that you find and and it (laughs) it's nice because the reason that he realizes he's wrong is because he realizes who he is in his son's story. And I thought that was really cool that, you know, you have that opportunity to um, to have that kind of relationship play out uh, with the characters, which, you know, you just again, like it's you don't ex- you, like what you were saying. The movie is kind of so bonkers at the beginning and in the middle. You don't expect to have that kind of heart to it in the end, I don't think. Right. And although um, I definitely also didn't expect the way it was going to end either, because the way that they describe and show president business um, doing things in the Lego world, it seemed at first to me like it was a satire about politics at the time that, you know, specifically talking about 
Um, then Lord, you know, president business came in and built all these walls between the worlds. And I'm like, so are they saying that they're against immigration? <laughs> you know, like it just seemed very like intentional in that way. Mm-hmm. So maybe it wasn't. But. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think, I think that's the thing that I, I, the, the movie kind of plays that in some ways where it's like this, it, you know, it, it plays on that, that idea um, that in, in it, I think in, in some ways you, you want to think that it is that, but I, but I think that I, one of the things that I love about the end of the movie is that you realize that's not what this is about. You know, this right. movie, he's called Lord business. And I, I realized this watching this last night. I was like, he's called Lord business because he means business. Right. Like everybody, he wants everybody to listen to him. Just and 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 just think about this: What did your parents used to say to you when you weren't listening? It was like, and I mean business. They right. wanted you to know that they were serious and that you were going to get in trouble if you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And that's exactly where we are in this story. He means business. Like he mm-hmm. he wants everything to be the way that he wants it to be, which is perfect. You know, you have this father who is trying to control everything. And you have a son who who just desperately kind of wants to be a part of everything that his father is doing. And in many ways, you know, this this story is is about these two characters kind of learning that to be a part of each other's world, you know, they they need to let each other in. Um, and the the father specifically, I think, um, you know, we we see him realizing that he's kind of he's kind of wrong, you know, mm-hmm. um, by by keeping all of these things from his son, um, and and not allowing his son to share in the joy of that. Um, I, I just really like that. I think there's there's something really kind of beautiful about that. And so, yeah, I really appreciated the way this movie, um, you know, talked about raising kids and, and how difficult that is and the, the, the process of allowing them to be part of what you know, you're a part of and all of that. I just thought it was great. You know, it's it's a really, it's unexpected for this movie when I went into it to have it come out like this. Like I just did not expect that to happen whatsoever. So. Yeah. And I felt like also with that whole back and forth between them and, and his father realizing that he was the bad guy in his son's story. It was also talking to me about that, you know, what we were going through, the people that follow the instructions to a T, like his father, who, you know, everything has to be just like this and no other way is acceptable, mm-hmm. to where he suddenly sees everything his son built that may be completely outside the box, it literally doesn't go along with any instructions of any of the possible sets he had, but is incredible in its own way and so creative and that his mm-hmm. son came up with the, these ideas from nothing and made something completely new that that's not bad. 
you know, that he needed to see that all together to realize that that was pretty incredible and that maybe his father even isn't capable of thinking that way. Yeah, you know, that's something that I thought was was really interesting, too, because I I feel like this movie does a really uh, it it, it plays with the idea of um, instructions and imagination and Mm -hmm. the whole idea of it, it. at the beginning of the movie, it feels like it, it you're kind of pitting them against each other, like that one is better than the other. And I think, though, that what we kind of see throughout the the movie as we watch it is that this isn't about um, one versus the other. This is about them working in concert together. And And what I found really interesting about that and i feel like where that kind of comes from is is the end of the movie where we see the fact that instructions are kind of the foundation and they help foster imagination and um the fact that you know when finn tells his father he said you know you basically you're actually the most special person i know like everything that you've created here is is amazing and uh i just want to basically live up to you and all of my creations are based off of what I see that you've done mm-hmm. you know and so it's like this whole thing of where we have we, we have this really beautiful balance between instructions create a, a good foundation then for us to be able to then use our imaginations you know you start with what's there and then you allow your imagination to go but you have to have the original for it to actually um, have that inspiration. You know, mm-hmm. um, we don't create out of nothing. <laughs> like, right. Um, we create based of, off of all of the other things that already exist. And so it's like everything that already exists is the instructions. And then our imaginations take it and run wild with it. And I think that's something I really appreciated about the movie because it really recognizes the importance of both of those. Um, and I'm glad that it goes that way because I would have been really frustrated if it didn't, um, because I think it would have been a disservice if it just kind of said, oh no, only people who, um, live without the instructions are the ones that are really getting it because I don't think that's true. I think we really do in many ways we need both. Right. And I mean, really it kind of boils down to, to the whole right brain based people and left brain based people that supposedly if you're very right brain oriented, you're more of the person that finds comfort in structure and in, you know, sticking to the instructions and the more left brained people like to stray from the instructions and try their own thing. But that doesn't mean that one is right and the other is wrong. Like you're saying, they have to both work together and then that creates things from there. Um, and that, that's kind of honestly why, like, I felt like my husband and I work so well together because for example, we worked on a paper in college together where he's very, um, like story based and came up with great content, but then wanted me to come in and help with the structure of it and actually, you know, like putting in the punctuation where it needed to go and things like that. And so, you know, we kind of perfectly fit (laughs) to make two parts of one paper. (laughs) I think that's a real that's a real important lesson that you get here in the movie, which is to respect the the different ways in which we are, you know, made. We are all different. We all have different gifts, you know, Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's the thing that we see in the movie too play out with Emmett. Emmett is a master builder, right? In the end, like he becomes one, but he's not a master builder in the same way that all the other master builders are master builders. Like mm-hmm. he, and uh, embracing that uniqueness of our nature, which I think is a really, again, that's another good message um, for the movie, which is, you know, embrace who you were made to be, not who everybody thinks you should be, you know? And in many ways, we get Emmett um, here, and everybody thinks he should be one way. Uh, but in the end, it's it's not it's not about that. It's it's not about him being what everybody thinks everybody else thinks he should be. Um, it's about him being what he and uh, him being what he needs to be. Um, and so I think that's a real that's really important, and I really appreciated them um, getting into the that in this movie. Um, and you know, I mean, I think. When you look at it, that's a very classic kind of kids movie, kind of like, I'd say, um, you know, a, a Disney type of movie thing to do. Um, but I also think it's still, it is a very important message for us to give to kids. Um, so, and just to remember ourselves, you know, I think we as adults just sometimes forget that. Uh, so I really appreciate the fact that I just think they did that fantastically here in the movie. Yeah, I I really like that it seems to come back to you have to believe in yourself and then that makes you special rather than someone else has to tell you that you're special and then you will be. Um, I, I think that it constantly goes back to saying that you can accomplish anything when you put your mind to it and that everybody is special in their own way and things like that. So definitely, you know, like you're saying, very Disney classic um, encouragement for kids. I'm glad they put well, it in and, there. Yeah. No, no. And I think that's, you know, that's the way too. I mean, when we are talking about like Finn and his father, right. You know, that's, that's what brought them together in the end is, is, is his father, I think, realizing the way in which his son was very talented and gifted and recognizing those talents and gifts and, and then kind of wanting to, um, you know, foster those in his son and give him the opportunity to spread those wings and fly, you know? So <laughs> I think that's a real, I think that's a really important part um, of the movie uh, that they do here. And I really appreciate that. Um, I think they do a really good job of of making that come to life in a way that doesn't just like it could be just a total cliche. Like, you know, we've seen this before, but I feel like they do it in a fun way um, and they find a way to make it feel I don't know. They they find a way to make it feel relevant and, and important. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, goodness. Wow. We went on that for a long time. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we, we talked about Chris Pratt and then I felt bad because we didn't talk about anybody else. Um, (laughs) what are the, I mean, uh, you know, we had Elizabeth Banks and Will Arnett and Nick Offerman is in the movie. We already mentioned Alison Brie, uh, Liam Neeson, Morgan Freeman, Channing Tatum. I mean, the list, uh, Will Ferrell, of course it, you know, he's in the movie, but he also provides a voice. Like, what did you think of, you know, the rest of the voice cast here? And was there anybody else? Uh, that you know stood out to you that you really liked. I think that the voice that 
stuck with me more than anyone's is Elizabeth Banks, even though I don't really love the wild style character all the time. Um, I've always liked her as an actress and just think she's hilarious. Um, so I, I liked hearing her voice and recognizing her right away without even seeing her face. Um, but I, I know my nephew who's turning five in March, his favorite absolutely is Batman. Okay. Nice. And I think the Will Arnett voice being a lot like the Christian Bale Batman, um, was funny in this setting. And it definitely, he, you know, he had a lot of great puns that made it good for a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Who was your agree. favorite? You know, I I think the one that I really, really love the most uh, is actually, I, I, I love Liam Neeson because mm-hmm. it's such a, a shock to see him play this kind of role. You know, um, when he's playing the other, the good cop, Man, so funny to mm-hmm. see him play good cop. Like I laughed a lot, you know, just because it's Lim Eason and there's something about him, you know, when I mean, you just think of him in real life, like he's so tall uh, and he's such a, he's just a, a presence on screen. And then him to have the play this demure, you know, very nice character who's also got the evil side. I, I found it hysterical. So I really liked him, and then for me personally, I like uh, Lego Batman better when he's not the center of attention, when he is the side character. I think he works Mm -hmm. better as a side character because his shtick, I find, um, to get a little bit old when it's in his own movie because it's just him. Like I really agree. Too, you know, I think he works great in this movie, though. I mean, I think... You know, he's a perfect, yeah, I mean, when you were thinking of, like, somebody to play Lego Batman, Will Arnett was a perfect choice. Oh, yeah. He's always been great at the 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 comedic side of things. And, I mean, I feel like I can't think of him being a serious person ever. So I think this was a good role for him. Um, yeah, it would and, be very hard to be serious around Will Arnett, I think. Right? <laughs> Just look at his face. I mean, it feels like he's always got a perpetual smirk. But I did want to ask you, too, if, uh, speaking of Lego Batman, if you loved his scenes with Han Solo and Lando. Oh, my gosh. That was great. <laughs> it was so out of the blue. It and, and the fact that they were able to use actual Star Wars music in those scenes mm-hmm. was brilliant because it wasn't like them pretending like it's... No, it's actual Star Wars music. And uh, I think that's where you get the... You know, them having a good relationship uh, with with Star Wars and with Lucasfilm, uh, allowing that to happen, you know, it, it is probably a much easier conversation because, you know, they... Lego has got a good relationship with Star Wars. So. Right. Um, and it yeah, was too that funny was... that Batman stole their hyperdrive and then they got eaten by the space <laughs> that <was> slug. Awesome. <laughs> uh, leave it to Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I just kind of wanted to go back to uh, to Wildstyle. You said you didn't kind of love her character all the time. What was it about her character that didn't work for you the whole time? I think that the back and forth about her boyfriend, Batman, was a little um, beating a dead horse. I feel like, you know, they could have mentioned it that one time at the beginning, and that was kind of funny. But then if you have to keep repeating it, it feels 
like you're forcing it and I'm just tired of hearing about it. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And, um, you know, same thing about I liked the joke that the first time she speaks to Emmett, that it's the slow motion and he's not really listening to what she's saying. But then to keep doing it, I'm going, OK, it's not funny anymore. Um, so that that was more what bothered me, I guess, not as much her character and how it was written. Um, gotcha. Yeah. But I, I, like I said, I love Elizabeth Banks anyway, and I thought that her look was really cute. I like the the hair um, being several different colors, and the, definitely the joke from, um, is it Veruvius was Morgan Freeman's character? Um, Vitruvius. I was close. Vitruvius, yes. Um, I love when he says, uh, yeah, remember when you were so insecure that you had to keep changing your name? Yeah, and she's like, "What? I don't know what you're talking <laughs> he, about." He, what, uh, one of the names is like, "Oh, what was it? It was like Sweet Thing or something like that." It was oh, just yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, that's awful." He <laughs> <laughs> was like, "What? No, I, I don't know what you're talking about." Shh. So you know, one of the things I actually really liked was Jonah Hill playing Green Lantern, and his uh, repartee with Channing Tatum's Superman was hysterical. Those and, two, uh, because. He's all into like, hey, hey, how's it going, Superman? And Superman's just like, uh, I'm fine. Uh, I really, I thought that was a good shtick. And that was apparently, um, since this movie came out in 2014, that was two years after Lord and Miller worked on the remake mm-hmm. of 21 Jump Street, which had Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum together. So it, it was kind of perfect timing to pair them up again. And if you guys haven't seen the 21 Jump Street movie, the first one, it was hilarious because I I feel like those two guys must be friends now in real life the way that they were on screen mm-hmm. together. Yeah. No, that was, I mean, they really were, I think, fantastic uh, in that movie. And that movie was fantastic. So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I, I also highly recommend it. So, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, you know, I I think this is a, a movie that just there's there's just so much going for it. Um, was there anything else for you that you either really liked about it, or maybe you know, was there something else that maybe didn't quite work as well for you? I think that the distraction of the like commentary on popular culture was kind of unnecessary. I feel like they um, sort of beat you over the head with, um, you know, that that pop music, for example, all sounds the same and that, you know, we're all just robots that listen to a million different songs that are exactly the same, but, you know, slightly variations of each other, or that we're all willing to pay $37 for a cup of coffee, or that, you know, we um, go to work all day Uh, at a job that we hate and then go home and repeat the same thing the next day. It's like, we get it. (laughs) Um, And that that was not the actual point of their story. They were wanting to tell that you end up in a completely different place. Um, I think it was a good thing where they ended up with the story of Finn and his father. But I feel like all the rest of this commentary on society was a, unnecessary distraction i absolutely see what you're saying because there is some way that it kind of fits because they're talking about oh you know homogenization it's bad you know like everybody's just the same and and you know 
that's the whole thing about instructions versus uh, imagination, mm-hmm. right? You know, and and yet I think you're right because it doesn't quite fit because that's not really the um, that's not quite where we get to in the end because in the end it really isn't about one versus the other it becomes more about we do need both right Right. um and obviously nobody wants to live in a world and nobody thinks it's great that you know um that everybody should just do the same thing and and the one thing i did like out of that was the whole idea of just like yeah it is kind of dangerous when you know, we had just have this kind of like group think and anybody who doesn't think like the group is the one that's out. Right. Um, I think that would have been a little bit better, like pull there, you know, like maybe, maybe to focus a little bit more on that. So I, I do agree with you. I don't necessarily think it works as perfectly as they, they want it to. Um, I can see why they're doing that, but I, I, I think you're right that it's not, it's not as cohesive as they would like it. And mm-hmm. you're right, too, in that they do kind of beat your he- you over the head with it to the point where you're just like, okay, fine. I, like you were saying earlier, I get it. Right. You know? <laughs> Move on. So, right. Um, yeah, I, 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 com- I think you have a, I mean, I'm not quite as strong on it as you are, but I completely understand. And I think, you know, um, as I think about it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I was thinking about that last night too. It's like, this doesn't quite work as well as they want it to mm-hmm. in the sense that when I came to the realization that this wasn't a, a versus thing, this was more of a complementary thing in the end and finding the way to complement both because the both are needed because you can't mm-hmm. completely throw away the instructions, you know, in life right. and you can't completely just live by imagination they need each other um and it's finding the balance of that need which is most important so yeah i think yeah that's a really good point but i i I do think that the places that this movie really endears itself are with the jokes that remind you that it's a from a child's imagination that this world was even built um, you know, I, I love the jokes about Middle Zealand, which is supposed to be yeah. Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, or um, the think tank, which even as an adult, I feel like sometimes we go, you know, ah, oh, the think tank. Uh, you know, we glorify it, but we don't really know what it does. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I, I liked the, the jokes about maybe he does actually understand what they are and is just trying to make it into its own language. But the uh police remover of Nail. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and no, I I think yeah, what I liked about that was that that sounds like a kid trying to pronounce a word that they're sounding out and they don't have it quite right. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. that's a good so, point. So, um I I think they did a real uh, a smart thing in that they allowed they gave you those hints. Like when you were first watching it, they did give you the hints that you are watching this play out from a kid's imagination. And of course, once the reveal comes, when you watch it, you know, a few more times, you get the opportunity then to kind of go back and enjoy all of the places where they do give you those hints. And you're like, Oh, I see what they're doing there. They're, you know, so Mm -hmm. I think that 
it creates a, a real sense of fun. And I think that's one of the things that I appreciate this about this movie is that there are a little, there are a couple of different layers to it. You know, there's some, we, we talked about the thematic elements that were, you know, really strong that we liked, but also just it, the layering of the movie and the way the story is told. It's enjoyable to watch again. Not every animated feature is like that, but this one happens to be enjoyable to watch again because there's more to it than just like, oh, I, okay, I get what they're doing. And there's no other layer to it. So right. that's really fun. Yeah. And, you know, I will say there's definitely, after you look at the list of other things that Lord and Miller have either written, directed, or both together, you can see the similarities between this one and, for example, like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, of also which they were kind of accused of being more on the fluff and funny rather than deep storytelling. But I feel like they've learned since then to try to envelop both elements to make a good story that you can't have all fluff and expect people to come back to it over and over again. And you can't have too much emotion without any humor. And then it's just a bummer. <laughs> um, so I think that this was a, a good start and that they, get better later on and apparently they have some really big things coming down the pipe soon like a an adaptation of the podcast serial to screen oh really wow mm -hmm. that's i did not know that that's so, really interesting i do want to well, give them course, some props and of course lego 2 the second part is coming out as well which we're going to talk uh, about <laughs> which we're going to be talking about next week uh but so if you had to come down with a rating, then if you were going to give uh, the Lego movie a rating, um, what do you think? Well, when I really look back at what struck me the most about this, it, it was the, the two pieces that I felt were the most emotional and really make you feel like there's more to this than just the surface level of it's a fun Lego kids movie. So I, that really gives it a lot more weight for me on the positive side and makes me feel like this should be a seven batarangs out of 10 um, because it it's not just fluff after all. And it does have this great reveal of the story between Finn and his father and the joke about him being the man upstairs for his dad, I thought was perfect too, because you're thinking it's more like God or something. And, and then it ends up being literally the man coming down the stairs. <laughs> um, so there's a, a lot of things like that that were really cute that didn't take away from the movie for me. So it, really the things that I didn't like were so minor in the grand scheme of the plot that I still find this enjoyable to go back and watch and I can forgive those things. Um, and especially getting to share it with our niece and nephew who are about to turn five and seven, it's the, the perfect age to share it with them and they get it enough to have fun with it. And it's not too heavy for them. I really, I really agree with you. I think the one of the, the things that I really appreciate about this movie was that like all really great animated movies that are for kids, that there was a level for adults and there was a level for kids. And I think Lord and Miller were able to capture that pretty well here in this movie. And they just made a movie that was enjoyable to watch. I mean, everything was 
well, I don't know if everything was awesome, but I think everything was pretty great in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, that is, I mean, I, I just, even rewatching it yesterday, I had a great time rewatching it. And, and I laughed still at jokes and just like, I, it was an enjoyable experience all over again, even as an adult, which I think is a really, you know, if, if you're making a movie and you can entertain adults as well as children, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's got to be one of the hardest things to do is to make a movie that can do both and to do it well. And so, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think this movie definitely deserves seven out of ten pirate cannons for hands. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it is it's is great stuff. So I'm excited to talk about part two next week. But, um, you know, Christy, uh, before we get out of here, um, if anybody wants to catch up with you, um, cause you're doing other things too, not just here on the 602 club, uh, where can people catch up with you? You can catch up with me on Twitter and, um, on the, um, on Instagram at Bespin Bell. And then I was going to add also in the Babel conference, if you really want to get down to brass tacks about the episodes or um, past episodes of 602 Club that we've done, um, you can find me in there as well on Facebook. So I look forward to talking with you. Um, And I wanted to add, um, just so I don't forget, that I did actually sit down with our niece and nephew, Uh, Lily and Riley and ask them what they thought of the Lego movie. So there will be some extra um, audio of that that might give you a laugh. Yes, yes. I'm excited for everybody to hear that. That'll be right there uh, at the end of the show. So do stick around for that. I think you'll enjoy uh, hearing what little ones think of the Lego movie. Uh, if you want to catch up with me, you can find me all over the place under the name MattRushing02. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Letterboxd, all under that name. You can also find me here on the network doing The Orb with Chris Jones, talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You can also find me on the Nerd Party Network doing a couple of shows. One is called Owlpost with Drag Kaufman as we talk all about Harry Potter one chapter at a time. Uh, And then I'm doing Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills that as this show comes out, we will have just hit on Aggressive Negotiations 150 episodes. So if you like Star Wars, I think you're going to like that show. And then last but not least, doing a show with my friend Courtney called Cinema Stories. And that is where we talk about films, but through the lens of faith. We want to thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Okay, so I was going to ask you guys questions about the Lego movie. Lego movie? Yeah, I heard you like that movie, don't you? Yeah, we love the Lego movie. So what do you like about it? Um, I like this I like this part like when the when the worker guy tries to fall down in the hole and he hits his head. Okay. I like that part. And do you like the music? Yeah. The everything is awesome. Yeah, that one too. <laughs> Who's your favorite character from the movie? Um, that worker who who falls down in the hole. I thought it was Lego Batman. It is too. He is too. Oh, he's your favorite too. Does oh, okay. he have a song? Yes. How does it go? I can't remember. 
Let me We can look. Let me Lily, do you like the Lego movie too? Uh-huh. What do you I like, like about it? One. What? I like the ninja one and like and I like Batman one. You like Batman? Batman Batman one too. Hey, um I like Batman's um um car. Oh yeah, Batman has a cool car. Did you uh-huh. guys like Wild Style, the girl? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You like- have a lot of toys. I like her. <laughs> I told Matt the attention span would be short. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, though, who else do you like in the Batman movie? Did you like the bad cop? Hey, I liked it this part. Like when when Batman said, kicking my butt. <laughs> what, what did you like about all of the other guys in the movie? Did you like good cop, bad cop? Did you like uh, President Business? I like the bad guys too. I'm, I I like this bad guy, Miss um, the the freeze guy. And but when when the freeze guy tried to the freeze Batman, but he Batman jumped out of his car, but but the um the freeze man just freezed his car, not Batman. That's oh my yeah. Car too. And what about when they were gonna melt Emmett? Yeah. Did that scare you? Yeah, and I liked this part. Like when that guy, that guy was flying around and the guys were, the guys were on his feet and then he flied around and then he crashed. That was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) You probably haven't seen the movie in a while, have you? Our grandma's going to take us to the movie theater. Oh, you're going to see the new one? Yeah, the Lego one. Yeah, part two. Who's in that one? Um, Does Batman come back? Batman and the worker and the girl and the unicorn, too. And the unicorn. Kitty, the unicorn kitty? Yeah, that one. Unikitty, that's right. Yeah. That one was cool. Because she can shapeshift, right? Yeah, can she be mad with her with her new face? Like I a think fire so. Because red, she could be like a unicorn and a monster and anything she wanted to be, right? Yeah, I think you're hungry. <laughs> and didn't you dress up as Lego Batman for Halloween? I Lego Batman one. But I can't find my other hand. I only have one hand. (laughs) Oh, no. Hey, could I ask you and Lily to say something to my friends? (laughs) You got to say, thank you, 602 Club. Two. 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 Three. Thank you, 602 Club. Say it. He's just watching you. Say it. (laughs) You want to say it by yourself? Say it by yourself. Can you help me? Yep, say thank you. Thank you. 602 Club. 602 Club. Yay!